I was thinking during the meditation. Um, doesn't always happen that way, but uh, I, about the way the word love feels in my mouth. And there's something about the way I say it that I don't find as beautiful as the way I've heard it from other voices. That even that difference between how it sounds when I say it and what I feel when I say it is surprising to me. There are two questions I'd like for us to consider today. How do we free ourselves from destructive infatuation with or love for or addiction to distractions that we are coming now to love? And how do we lead ourselves to love what we think we cannot? The people or reality that it's hard to imagine loving. In the story for the kids, we talked about if we get the person right, we are at the same time capable of reassembling a torn world one piece at a time. Some of the world's great religions would agree with that. Uh, in Hinduism, one achieves moksha or liberation uh, when the soul unites with Brahma, which is, you know, the limitless, all-inclusive creator. Uh, when the soul realizes its true nature. And it's done either through the path of karma, which is works, right action, um, or it's done through jnana, the path of enlightenment or knowing that comes through meditation and exercise like yoga or something that's specifically to align our bodies and spirits, um, or bhakti, which is the path of devotion and love of spirit and commitment. To follow any of these paths to liberation, it requires deep commitment and much time. More than time, it requires practice. Very different than simply dabbling with these path, this path or that. It's commitment, and it's and it's time, and it's practice. Eventually, the soul comes to recognize its true nature as uh, within the one creation and co uh, with. The creator liberation is achieved by getting the person right. In Buddhism, the building blocks 
of wisdom rests in the Four Noble Truths, the first of which is there is suffering. The, the, the Noble Truth of Suffering. Birth is suffering, aging is suffering, separation from loving kindness is suffering. Being incapable of satisfaction in some regard or another is suffering. The second noble truth is that suffering comes from craving what we want, clinging, holding on to ideas or desires, attachment to things, and ignorance of reality as reality is. People crave pleasure, people crave material goods and, immor and immortality, none of which can be satisfying, can be satisfied. Those cravings don't end. The third noble truth is that there is a cure for suffering and abandoning craving opens the possibility of awakening. The fourth noble truth is that there's a cure no, um, for the cure for suffering is the Eightfold Path, which we've gone over some recently um, with right views, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. And these are not just about the world coming to think like you or me. What they mean by right is very moral and ethically geared in uh, harmlessness, uh, and loving kindness. All of those, all of the Eightfold Path require letting go of old views about what those things mean. Old views of, in, uh, of your intentions and speech and action and, and uh, moving more towards radical loving kindness. And one is freed from suffering by getting the person right. When our time is committed to the paths of self-awareness and awakening, we aren't susceptible to falling so easily into captivation by the distractions and delusions that keep us isolated and living on the surface. We can sit. Some of us can't. We're really easily drawn to shining distractions because it's hard to sit still Turn off all of the sounds that, that you know, anything that makes uh, your thoughts follow it or fills up channels uh, so that you don't have to hear yourself thinking. It's hard to do that. We, we don't like having to do that. And when we do that, we realize either we come face to face either with how our minds are always racing 
and we don't care to do the things that it will take to make them stop. Or we don't like the thoughts that come up when we're there. Or if we get to the place where we can actually have the thoughts lift away or let them go like clouds, we can feel the hollow before we feel the presence. It all happens in stages of awakening, I think. Um, we begin to feel the echoing of our own ideas in the cavern that is much too big and spacious. And it feels empty if we focus on our own thoughts. When, we when you notice yourself noticing yourself, if you notice yourself having thoughts, you've already backed away one step from being in the thoughts. And there's a process of that that uh, somebody was taking us through in one of the videos this morning in the um, adult RE class, adult religious education class, um, that just in observation, ways that you can back out and see that you are, you know, see that there is something observing this stuff that you are doing. It's becoming comfortable with that kind of a place. Or at least backing farther out of the crowdedness of our comfortable habits of thought and making some distance between that. That room is made for a new idea or, or space of a different kind, I think, for that loving kindness. When uh, Larry Andros came and spoke the other day, he talked. Up, he uh, led a meditation. Um, sometimes meditation teachers will tell you to focus on your breath. There's a song in our teal hymnal um, called "Meditation on Breathing," and it says, "When I breathe in, I breathe in peace." And when I breathe out, I breathe out love. If we will sit and actually put our mind on that and do that for a while, you can notice the stress in your body release them. We can't escape our habits of thought by thinking our way out of it. And so when I ask how do we uh, ourselves, how do we free ourselves from destructive infatuation with love for or addiction to distractions, we've come 
or our coming to love? And how do we lead ourselves to love what we think we cannot, the people and realities we think we cannot imagine loving? I go back to practice, practice, practice. Same way we get to Carnegie Hall, right? If we want to do anything well, we have to be intentional about it. And the way that we come to free ourselves from the habits of thought that keep us unable to love others is practicing another way of thinking. Practice getting out of the way that we think now. Um, both backing away and thinking another way require intentional commitment to getting the person right. Finding our way to it is the journey. Love is the answer. There was a couple that were members years ago, and one of uh, one of the woman and the couple would say to me with some regularity, "You're just an old hippie," because of the way I thought about things. You know, the love generation, or um, I think that's beginning to mean something different than it did then. Because I think our capacity for uh, understanding what it can mean is growing. There are all kinds of people that need all kinds of help in this world. And the, what, the readings that we had for responsive reading would tell us if we want to change those things, we begin with the person. From recovery, from recovery literature, you cannot transmit what you haven't got. And the answers will come if your own house is in order. What I keep finding is there are more and more and more and more and more layers of me that I, that I can address. I mean, there's some glaring ones that I keep trying to whittle on, and then there are others that are more subtle that require new attention. And some of this part is a matter of retraining thought or stepping outside of thought that has always been there. And I'm working on that too. I hope one way or another we can make time to practice creating that distance, that space for love to come in. It's not gonna, we're not going to think our way into it, but we do have to practice. <laughs>